Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I am having an emotional day. It is May 1st, 2020, and I just need to lead with some personal stuff today. Some things that involve my business, Skirt Sports, a company that I started 15 years ago and I have run successfully for 15 years through ups and downs you can't even imagine. And I am with great sadness and finally some acceptance. It's taken me a while to get here. Uh, letting you know that we are moving forward to close our doors. Yes, it sucks to lead this amazing podcast with this personal message, but I'll be honest, it would feel weird if I didn't talk about it because it's happening today. Today we start what we're calling our finish line sale. Um, and the truth is, it might be the end. I mean, it might not. Um, anything can, can still happen. We are actually still talking to potential options um, of people and brands who are interested in, in acquiring what, what I created. But, you know, here we are in 2020 in the most crazy and uncertain economic time I've ever faced. I think anyone I know has ever faced, regardless of age, this is just a, an uncertain future lies ahead. And skirt sports has been through so much. And we entered this year after overcoming some challenges last year. And we said, 2020 is going to be our year. It's going to be our recovery year. We are going to get back on track and roll forward with a new outlook. And then this hit. And the truth is, if I was irresponsible, I would have just kept rolling with it until everything fell apart. But I'm not. Um, and I won't be. And I refuse to be. Um, I'm committed to making sure that this journey ends as well as it started and as uh, beautifully as it ran for 15 years. And hence, I'm calling it the finish line right now because a finish line is really a celebration. I mean, the last podcast episode featured Mike Riley, you know, the voice of Iron Man who calls people across a finish line. And really what happens when you cross the finish line is that you're a new person. I'm really not looking at this any differently. I feel like this is, yes, the finish line of a big, long race I've been running, walking, jogging, sprinting, <laughs> you name it, um, for 15 years. But there's going to be another race. And it is definitely tough when you are, by nature, a very positive person like I am. And all I really want to do is help people find happiness. And that's what I'm focused on. 
Um, it's been hard for me to keep myself up. Just ask Tim. <laughs> but I'm coming through this now with, uh, with a little more acceptance about the fact that everything we do in life has cycles, life cycles, I guess. And um, skirt sports as we knew it and know it right now today is ending one of its life cycles. But the community that I have built, fostered, and nurtured along the way is not going to end. It's too strong. It's too powerful. And I'll be honest, even if I said, all right, I'm done, I'm going to walk away, the women in our community would not let that end. And many of you listening are those women. Um, and so all I can say right now is that there is something in store for us in the future. I can almost see it. It's so close. But I've got some work to do in the meantime. And that starts with selling, finishing, finishing this race, selling all of our inventory and uh, cleaning the slate and getting ready for the next thing. So what that means for all of you listening is that I'm bringing you along on my journey um, and it's happening in real time. It's definitely unique for all of us. And I am letting you in to my mind. I, I promise to do an in-depth interview of what I've been through, whether I'm just chatting with you or maybe I can get Tim to come in here and um, sit down and rap with me about this process because I need to share it. And I think it will help me and maybe it'll help you guys too. If nothing else, it'll be a big, long therapy session for me. <laughs> and what that means today, though, is that we do have a huge sale that started now and will continue until every unit is sold. And uh, hey, you can wait. You can wait and see what happens. But if you know you like skirt sports and you want to help support me all the way through the end. Get on and shop, please. I will literally be in the warehouse shipping because we are anticipating really great volume. And I want to end this on a really good note. So thank you. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for hanging around and sticking with me through the end here. We've got more time together. Believe me, I'll keep you posted on what happens. And you know what? Have your fingers crossed that a new starting line just might be right around the corner. I know it will. I'm just not sure what it is yet. If you have any ideas, throw them at me. And you know, it's really fitting um, because I am going to continue the podcast despite the, the other things that I'm fully immersed in right now. Uh, today's guest, it's just a really cool timing, I guess, because She's she's a great person. Her name is Neely Spence Gracie. She's a professional runner. She is also a somewhat new mama. <laughs> she's got, I think, 18 or 20 month old now. Um, she, I met her when we were running the skirt sports half marathon when we first started it. She had just moved to Boulder and was like, I kind of need a race. She tells the story in our episode today. And um, I feel like when I met her, she was just like a baby. And she just had this wide open world of potential. And I'm right, she was. And she started to tap into that potential. And now she has a baby. 
And she's still tapping into her potential. And it's just such a beautiful thing. You know, one of the things she said in the interview was that every race, good or bad, provides a learning opportunity for us. That's how I feel about what I'm going through. And I think most of you can relate to this on some level. Neely is gracious. She is fun. She's very popular. You're going to hear quite a few bings and dings. We, uh, we're, we're, we're playing around with new technology. I recorded this on Zoom so that you can go over and, and actually watch it on YouTube. And uh, she is actually having some home construction. It got loud. She moved around her house during the middle of it, left her phone upstairs with the baby monitor. I was a little wondering if she was getting worried. Um, and... And then she couldn't turn off all the notifications. So it's it's entertaining. So uh, stick with us through all of that. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And believe me, I know I hit you with something heavy right at the beginning here. Um, just know that I appreciate all of you so greatly. So thank you for tuning in. And um, I vow to keep the love and positivity going starting today or continuing today with the amazing Neely Spence Gracie. Are you ready to do this? Do it. (laughs) So Neely, we were going to interview in person and then everything changed. We're going to talk about this time in our life. I don't know what we're going to call it. The Corona era, the Corona glitch. What is this time we're going through? I like that one, the Corona era. Um, It is. It's a weird time. And uh, we have a hashtag we've been using called quarantine. And so we're all in this together. (laughs) Totally. I mean, the funny thing is we keep saying we're all in this together and we are like emotionally, but we literally can't help each other because we can't go see each other and like watch each other's kids so we can get in a quick errand or something. So we're in it together, but it's more like we're emotionally, yeah, we're emotionally connected through frustration. Right. Oh, I totally (laughs) agree with that. It's very much an emotional connection. And I think uh, in a way it's kind of unifying, um, but it's also slightly terrifying as well. um, Just because, you know, we're, we're kind of herd animals. Like we, we really thrive, um, on that like social interaction and it's, you know, really weird to be in a place where you can't interact and someone rings the doorbell and you have to like peek out the door and make sure they're standing six feet away before you can open it. And, you know, just things that I never would have imagined. Well, it is, it is kind of interesting too to me that I feel like we athletes are better trained to handle difficult things because that's what we do. We train and put ourselves in like, you know, places of discomfort for extended periods of time. But um, we're also very itchy. Like we can't, we complain a lot that we can't get out and do the things we want to do as easily. So it's like you get the double-edged sword there. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. I think there's been certain aspects that have been like super conducive to training where it's like, okay, you have no excuse not to go to bed early every night and you have no reason to, um, you know, be knocked off of a routine because you're at home and you just got to 
got to buckle down and do the routine. Um, but then it's also a challenge because, you know, for me personally, um, you know, I love going to the gym and I love, uh, getting in the pool and like implementing those things into my training. And when that's a non-option, um, that's a, that's a challenge. And, uh, you know, I also am used to getting like massage or having access to, um, PT or dry needling or chiropractor, you know, when anything flares up. And so I'm like being kind of conservative and like any little thing that flares up, I'm like, Oh my gosh, take a rest day because I can't get that help and that support that I'm used to. Wow. You know, I didn't actually think about it like that because it's been so long for me that I've been racing at a, or even training for anything at like a serious level. So I, I experience those aches and pains on a daily basis. And I always put off my treatment because I got other things to do. So let's, let's back up a minute and give people a little background on who you are and what you do for a living. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Neely Spence Gracie and I guess I never even introduced myself. Well, they, you don't need to, they, they know who you are. I didn't mean it like that, but yeah. So, um, Uh, but yeah, so I, um, am a professional distance runner for Adidas and I live in Boulder, Colorado. Um, I'm a mom, uh, to a 20 month old boy named Athens And my last few years have been really strange um, because I graduated college in 2012 and then I uh, became a professional runner right away. Um, At a very high level, I trained and competed for five years and then I took two years off um, for my pregnancy and for the year after Athens was born. And so I actually just started racing. the beginning of this year, uh, where I, I ran the Houston marathon in January, um, to qualify for the Olympic trials, which was in February. Um, and then I ran there. So it's been, yeah, kind of, uh, like this weird pause. And now I'm kind of on pause again when it comes to competing, but at least my training isn't on pause. Well, and that's a really interesting way to look at it, you know. I what I know about you and what we're going to get into today is that you're a person who looks for silver linings, you're a person who seeks the positive in all situations and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show during this time is not necessarily because of your running prowess and some of the other you know, different kind of challenges you've been through, but because we all need the silver linings right now, we want to hear from people who are finding opportunity. So what's interesting to me is to learn about how you were built so that you became the kind of person who's always seeking this. Like, were you born that way? Were you born just like, I want to see what can happen. I want to see what can be in this life, in my world. Well, thank you. That's very kind. (laughs) It's such a nice compliment to hear. I, I certainly have my moments and just like everyone else, you know, especially through this challenging time, um, I've had, 
I've had my fair share of tears as well, but I saw a really good meme and it was something along the lines of like having a positive mind doesn't mean you can't be sad or you can't be frustrated or you can't feel lost um, during this time. It just means that you focus on the positives, you let yourself feel those other emotions, but you're able to kind of press forward, move forward and, you know, wake up the next day with a smile on your face. And so that's kind of been my approach, uh, to this whole thing. Um, and you know, I think when it comes to my own training, it's actually been really nice to remove all of the pressure. Um, I felt like, you know, I took those two years off. And then when I decided to start coming back, um, even though my, my sponsor Adidas wasn't pressuring me, my agents weren't pressuring me to race, um, I was putting personal pressures on myself that, okay, like everyone has been super kind and super patient and super understanding, but like, Neely, come on, you got to get yourself into gear now. Like <laughs> you can't just keep wasting time. Um, and at some point someone's going to get frustrated. So you need to start stepping up. Um, and I also like mentally am really excited to compete again. And I do really want to feel that feeling of fitness and feeling fast and race ready, which I haven't had for, you know, it'll be three years in um, August since my like last super competitive race, um, before my pregnancy. So yeah, I really miss that feeling, but it's actually been really nice during this time, um, to just really be like listening to my body, taking my time, um, you know, not forcing anything and, I'm, yeah, like you said, that's, that's a super big silver lining. And I, I didn't see the track trials being an option for me this year because my speed has been certainly the last thing to come back, um, from all the years off where my endurance is now in a pretty good place, but the speed is definitely not. And so now I'm kind of excited. Like they, they push the trials to next summer and, um, a year can make a big difference if I have that ability to kind of build each little building block over the next year with that speed development. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're like, I feel like I'm all over the place with this interview so far. Like there's so much that I definitely want to hit on and I feel like we're backing our way in. I feel like I want to stop for a minute and take us back in time and bring us forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you, when did you become a runner? When did you identify as a runner and see that it was something that could be a big part of your future? Oh boy. So I started training seriously in eighth grade. Um, so I was 13 and I had just finished um, starring in uh, the musical Annie at our community theater. Wait, shut up. Hold on. In eighth grade? You yeah. were a little actress? I love it. Where'd you grow up? Um, uh, Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Very small, rural, south central Pennsylvania, um, near Gettysburg, Harrisburg, that area. And um, yeah, I was super into acting. My first show was Pinocchio when I was seven. 
Um, and so I, I did community theater all the way through um, eighth grade and just loved it. Um, and when I had that role as Annie, it just felt like, um, like I had, I had accomplished everything I could possibly have dreamed of, you know, at that, at that age. Um, and so it was like a few weeks after our show, um, and it was Thanksgiving and I ran a turkey trot and I hadn't trained, like I hadn't run at all. Um, and I think I ran like 22 minutes or something for this 5k cross country. Um, and you know, it was really hard. I felt terrible, but, um, I, I had so much fun doing it and I started to kind of like run a little bit here and there over the next few weeks. And then I watched the Foot Locker cross country national championships on TV, um, in early December. And I looked at my dad and I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go, I'm going to run. I want to be, you know, I want to go to Foot Locker. And my dad was like, these are like the top 40 best high schoolers in the country. Like it takes a lot of work. And I was like, okay, tell me what to do. Like I'm ready to go. And I was definitely much more in it for the, like all the free stuff and the free trip to California and the really fancy hotel and everything. But, um, I was like, I want to put in the work. And so I started training and in February or in January, I ran a 5k and I, um, broke 19 minutes for the first time. And so just a few months I had seen like a really big step. And I think that was super motivating to me and obviously showed, um, you know, some of that running talent that I, I guess was just like inherently born with. Um, and so I, I kept training and in March I ran 1744. Um, and so it was just like, it just happened. And at that point I was like hooked and it was like everything, um, you know, was lining up for me to be able to meet these goals that I had set for myself. Okay. Wow. So that was all in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're a passionate person, you know, and maybe, you know, at that age, you're driven by whatever, like a, you've got some talent. So you said something, it was like three sentences in a row that for most people make no sense going hand in hand, but for athletes, we can relate. You said it was hard. I felt terrible. And I had fun. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. How does the fun part come in? <laughs> like, so the, I would argue that the fact that that was what you got out of that first experience is more of a key or a, you know, sy symbolic of your future success in running than your actual physical ability because you put the word fun into the mix there. And yeah. I think that's really important. I don't know. What's your take on having fun? during this process? I think that's always been at the root of what I need in the sport. It has to be fun for me. It has to be worthwhile. Um, you know, yeah, I have those hard days just like anyone else, but I've never been able to, um, you know, understand or, uh, relate to the people who are like, yeah, I hate running. I just do it because I should or whatever. Like I actually really love running and it's really fun to me. And it's the way I want to start my day, whether I'm training or competing or whatever. Um, you know, that's just something that's important and it just feels like a good 
I don't know. It's just part of who I am, I guess. Um, so yeah, I would say a lot of my career um, from the very beginning has been around, um, you know, am I having fun with this? And all of the times where things haven't been going well is because I stopped having fun and I had to kind of figure out what do I need to change? And, um, you know, why is this not fun? And what can I do to make it fun again? What can you give some examples of times when that happened? Like, did you experience the typical burnout in high school or, you know, what are some of these times that you weren't having fun and what was the problem? Yeah, I'd say the first time was my sophomore year of high school, um, cross country. I thought I was really set up and ready to go to qualify for that falafel meet, um, And then I ended up just completely tanking, like the last half mile of the race um, went from like 10th to like 19th place um, in the last, you know, three minutes of the race. And afterwards, I was like, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't even remember it. And it turned out I had low iron. And so I had to spend a few months like rebuilding up my iron. Um, and so that was a time where like, it, it wasn't fun. It was scary. I didn't know why I didn't feel like me and normal. Um, and so that I had to kind of like adjust at that point. Um, and then in, um, I guess the next time would have been, as a pro, um, I was still in this, like, I think I'm going to do track and like the 5k is my event and all this stuff. Um, and then I just wasn't really loving the track. And every time I would do a race, I would get like a weird tendon issue flare up. And I think the spikes were just irritating, um, my feet And I think it was just like years of track racing and my body just kind of needed something different. And I decided, okay, like I'm going to step away from the track and I want to do some road racing. And I jumped into my first, um, road, uh, half marathon. And this was in like very early 2015. Um, and I ended up, um, almost winning. I finished just like a second behind Jen Rines, who's a three-time Olympian. Um, and I had the best time, like it was so much fun and it was so neat to test myself in something entirely new where I couldn't have any comparison. Um, and at that point that was when I was like, okay, like I, I love this road racing thing and this is what I want to be doing. And that's when I kind of started thinking about the marathon. Oh, it's so interesting to me because even in a sport like running, people think, okay, running, it's the sport. So if something goes wrong, then switch sports. Well, you don't necessarily have to switch sports. There are many different ways that you can include running in your life, right? So you're your path went from track to road to longer distance. Have you hit trails yet? I've never hit trails. I, I feel like it's someday it'll happen. Um, right now I think that I'm a terrible trail runner 
and that I'm, I'm too clumsy and that I'll just end up with like busted knees and a broken ankle and all that stuff. So, so my version of the trail is like very smooth single track, um, which I like feel like I'm so free and running in nature, but in reality, it's highly groomed. You know what? That still counts. And you know what? I will say that one of the first times that I met you, you won a half marathon that included some trail and it was the skirt sports half marathon. Do you remember? So much fun. Um, that was actually that same year. It was 2015. Um, so I had done that first half marathon in February. Um, we moved to Colorado in January. Um, I did that half my first half in February of 2015. Um, I did do a couple track races that spring. And then I was like, um, you know, I really wanted to end the season with a strong half marathon. And so I did the Boulder Boulder. And then I had grandma's half the middle of June and I was looking for something in between there. And that's when I found your race. Um, and so I think, I don't even know how it all went down. I don't remember, but I remember I reached out and I was like, Hey, I want to run your race and I'm not sponsored. So I'll wear a skirt if you want me to. And you were like, great idea. (laughs) Of course, that never hurts at all. I just remember you being just this little bright light of happy energy and crushing the race. And, you know, I could just tell you were on your way, right, to something big. I want to stop for a second and talk about support because you say we moved to Colorado. So at this point in your life, you weren't solo. Right. So I, I met my husband um, my freshman year of college. And so we started dating when I was 18. Um, and then we got married um, in 2012, right after I graduated. Like, um, like right after you graduated? Um, so we got married on New Year's Eve. Um, so I guess it was about like seven months after I graduated. Yeah. Um, but we were living apart at that time because I had joined the Hansons, uh, and I was training in Michigan, um, and he had a job in Pennsylvania. And so we didn't live together for the first several years, um, of our marriage, and that that definitely put a lot of stress um, on us, and uh, it was definitely time to to make that transition. And so I was here training, um, and Dylan, um, my husband, he decided that you know it was time, and he was going to move here. And so he got offered a temporary job in Denver um, for ninety days. And we were like, okay, we have 90 days to figure out what we're going to do and how we can make this our reality. And it's the best thing we've ever done. We took that leap of faith. So super untraditional start to a marriage, in my opinion. Like, unless, you know, he was in the military or something, or you were, that that's when you usually see people who might start a marriage apart. But like, you graduated, you guys went to college together, right? Where'd you go to school? Um, we went to Shippensburg University. And in Pennsylvania. Yep. And, um, and then you graduate. You spend six months in the same place, right? You get married. Yeah. And then you leave. <laughs> yeah. It was, 
It was definitely interesting. Um, so I actually, I actually graduated and left, um, within like a month and a half. And then we were apart prior to the wedding, um, because I was training and racing and competing. Um, and so, yeah, we, we would see each other like maybe every one to two months, but, you know, we were just out of college. We didn't have a lot of money. We were saving for the wedding. Um, we, we paid for the wedding ourselves. And so, um, we didn't have money to travel and see each other very often. And so I remember, um, you know, it had been probably a month and a half or two months, um, since I had seen him and I had a race in New Haven or no, no, in Providence, in Providence, Rhode Island. So I had this race in Providence, Rhode Island. It was the 5k U S championships on the roads. And he drove like the, eight or nine hours, um, from Pennsylvania up to come watch, uh, the race. And then I drove back with him and we got to like do our cake testing and, um, like finish up some wedding preparations. Um, and then I flew back to Michigan. So yeah, I remember, um, you know, it just felt normal. Cause that was, that was what we could do. That was, um, you know, I was chasing my dreams and he was supporting it. Um, and, you know, he was trying to provide some level of stability for us because as we know, um, you know, running is not a super, uh, stable or, um, lucrative, lucrative. <laughs> I guess that's a good way to put it. Um, when it comes to, uh, paying the bills. So it was nice to know that he would have something, you know, a paycheck every two weeks when I might not get paid for six months at a time. So this might be a little, you know, too personal, but like, did you guys ever consider that maybe it wasn't going to work out with you? I mean, or was it always like, no, we are so connected? Or did you get to that point of like, I wonder what he's doing when I can't reach him? Or, you know, those feelings that come up almost that like weird jealousy or, or I don't know, paranoia. Yeah. It's so funny because I think I was so focused on what I was doing that I didn't even realize that I should be having those thoughts <laughs> and like that it should be something that I like cared a lot about. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't even, it was also different at that time, you know, like we didn't have Snapchat and we didn't have like all these social media things for me to see like glimpses of his day and be like, who's he, do what, what's he, you know, doing, who's he talking to or anything like that where now it's like, you can kind of follow along and like, um, you know, Instagram and different things. And so, you know, we would like text a few times and we would try and like talk on the phone, you know, once a day or whatever, but yeah, it was, it was super unique. Um, not at all how I would, um, you know, have imagined our first few years uh, going, but there were definitely times that were really hard. And I think one of the hardest parts is that we kind of had two separate lives. He had his life, I had my life, and then we would get together and it would be like the first two or three days would be awesome because it would be like this, like we've missed each other. This is so amazing. Like we get to spend time together. And then it would be kind of hard because like, if he was visiting me, I would be out of my routine and he would be out of his routine. And so like after kind of like the excitement wore off, it would kind of be like, now you're kind of like annoying 
because like <laughs> you're in the way of what I, I usually do and like how my days usually go and vice versa. Um, and so I think that was the biggest challenge, um, was, you know, my expectations for when we would visit would like, we'd always have some kind of fight or argument or something because it was just our lives weren't intertwined very much. Um, and so we would kind of like disrupt each other from our normal, um, day to day. And so I think that was by far the hardest part. And then when we finally moved in together, um, you know, after three years of <laughs> being married, um, then we had it, that our own round of challenges with that. Like we're living together for the first time. We're making these decisions. We're creating a life and a routine that actually includes each other day to day. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was really strange and, definitely not how I would have thought things would go, um, you know, back whenever I was daydreaming about all that. Wow. I mean, you were really young to be having to deal with these kind of issues. I mean, it shows a lot of maturity because a lot of people who were your age would have just been like, Sia, this is not convenient for me. Because, you know, you go through phases in your life where you've slowly over the years move out of pure selfish mode into, you know, you, you, that's, that becomes a little less part of you each year of your life, in my opinion. Not for everyone. Some people live that way forever. But, um, you know, in your early 20s, mid-20s, it's usually a pretty self-centered time for a lot of people, and they're more concerned with partying and having fun. And you were a driven person from the get-go, yeah, it's interesting looking back because at the time I felt like, of course, like I'm ready for this. This is what we're doing. You know, I was 22 when we got married and I wouldn't change that at all. Um, but I do look back now and I'm like, wow, we are together from the time I was 18 on. Um, and, you know, I had like a high school boyfriend before that and that was it. Um, and so there's like so many things that I just can't relate to, um, <laughs> when, you know, I hear my other friends talk and, um, but yeah, I, I, I think one, one is that he was with me through so much of, um, you know, my ups and downs of, you know, collegiate training and competing. Um, and he was a part of, um, you know, helping me realize that having this as a career was possible. And so like when you have someone who's like such a critical part of your support, um, you just know that you got to latch on and that it was just natural when we'd been together for, you know, three and a half years or whatever, that it was time to take that next step. Um, and yeah. So now I look back. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> A little home construction project. Uh, <laughs> For those of you listening, that wasn't what you think it was. It was some kind of drill or something. Yeah. They're, they're reinstalling our solar. Um, so I'm just going to go downstairs. <laughs> it wasn't really loud downstairs earlier. So... I came up here, um, like doing this whole construction project to our house and we had to get a new roof, um, because 
of uh, hail damage. Oh my gosh, I love that we're still recording as you're walking down the stairs. This is the best. We're getting a cool tour of your house. A very nice Colorado flag. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Thanks. Now we're going to take a, a step into my office. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> of scenery. I was trying to kill two birds with one stone there and uh, lay in bed and prop my legs up um, because this is the baby's nap time, so I have to capitalize. <laughs> Well, you got at least 20, 30 minutes of propping. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Wow. Your office is like clean and neat. Is that indicative of you? Are you a like organized, clean, neat person? I'm a stacker. So you can see I have my stacks. Yeah. There's up. a stack over there for sure. Yep. So that's how it goes. Um, my desk actually has a, a sewing machine on it because I've been making masks. So have my little mask. Oh my gosh. That looks so good. Okay, so where are you? Top. Do you need more fabric? <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> All right, I can hook you up. <laughs> Perfect. Sorry about that. Our brief um, uh, uh, detour with everything we were discussing. Oh, no, it's perfect. That was actually great because this is a good transition time in the, in awesome. the uh, interview and the conversation. So I just, I find it really interesting. Like it is an unconventional relationship that you had. And for most people, it wouldn't have made it because you start a marriage apart, bringing you together when you're still really young. I think that's a, a huge challenge. And you said it was a little rocky at first when you were, you know, put together here in, the, in Colorado, um, but you're still together now. And now it's been about five years, right? Yeah, so we have been together um, coming up on 12 years total, um, and it'll be like seven and a half married. So, yep, um, we, t we talk, and I think we get a little bit better each year, and we don't have it perfect, um, but we, we've definitely learned how to work better with each other and adapt and adjust to all the new changes, um, in our lives. And so, yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, he's still a big supporter of, of me and my training and he's actually my coach now. So, um, and that kind of started whenever we moved to Colorado. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great. Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about coaching, um, because you are a coach and, you are coached. So this is also interesting to me because a lot of people I know who are coaches are very terrible at being coached. And some of them are great students because they just let go and they let the coach actually guide them. So how did Dylan become your coach? And have you always been a coached athlete? Yeah, I have. So when I was in college, Dylan graduated two years ahead of me. And so he came back as our um, assistant coach whenever I was um, in college. And so he was kind of our assistant coach slash my training partner um, my last two years of college. And then one of the many jobs that Dylan had um, <laughs> over the years was that he also uh, coached at the University of Houston um, with Steve Magnus. And so that was his last position um, before we moved to Colorado. And uh, that was when I transitioned from, um, you know, 
I was in college uh, working under my dad, who is my college coach at Shippensburg. Um, and then I worked with the Hansons for three years. And then when we moved here, it just kind of felt natural to uh, start working with Dylan because he had gained some experience, but he also really knew me as an athlete and as a person. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's been great. We've definitely had our moments. Um, I would say we each have frustration with the other about consistent things, um, but, he really trusts me now to listen to my body um, and to provide accurate feedback. And um, he trusts me to know that I will get out of the workout when I'm supposed to. Um, and so he doesn't even provide me like paces or anything for my workouts. Um, he just gives me uh, the effort I'm supposed to be hitting. So then I determine what that effort means on that day. Um, and that's what my pace ends up being. So um, I think that's been really nice. But yeah, I'm a coach. I started um, my coaching business in 2013. It's called Get Running. And I started with like five random Facebook friends, um, essentially, and just kind of slowly built with word of mouth over time. Um, I've never done any advertising or anything like that. Um, and yeah, we're now bigger than we've ever been. Um, and everything that I do is online coaching and it's like very personalized, um, because my experience as an athlete has been that every athlete is different. Every athlete is unique and they need to be treated as such. And so there's not a one size fits all. There's not, if you do these things, you will hit this result. Um, because that would be easy and great and we would all do it. Um, but it's just not reality. And so everyone has different life stresses, comes from different backgrounds, has, you know, a different amount of years and, you know, number of miles in their legs. Um, people have different goals in terms of race times or race distances. Um, and, you know, depending on job situation, you know, the, the, the weekly schedule has to be very personalized to that individual. Um, so yeah, I cater everything to, um, you know, the, each person. Um, and that's something that I pride myself on and that, is really fun for me. And it's like, brings me a lot of joy whenever I get to know my clients as people as well as athletes. Okay. So again, the fun comes back into play here. You know, when you're working with a coach who finds it fun to help someone, you know, work through their, I wouldn't say problems or issues, but overcome things or, or, or get over hurdles and achieve their goals, that you can feel that in your coach. And it, it kind of brought up the question to me of, you know, is this your calling or is this a chapter of your life? And I'm, and I'm talking about, I mean, we could hit on both running and coaching, you know, is running your calling or is running a chapter of your life? I would say no matter what level um, I'm running or competing at, um, running is a part of me and a part of my lifestyle. Um, so I've said, you know, if I had a chance to win Olympic gold 
but never run again or run every day, but never compete again, I would totally choose run every day, but never compete again. Um, and that's because I, it, it brings, I, I have fun with it and it's something that, um, you know, I hope I can do for a long time, whatever that looks like. Um, so I love competing. I love being successful. That's fun for sure. Um, it takes a lot of work and a lot of focus, um, but it's very rewarding. Um, but it's not the only reason that I do what I do. So, All right, well and then the coaching side. Um, yeah, I would say uh, I went to college to be a coach. I knew, um, again, I this is how I work. I have lots of plans. Um, and so I knew at 18 that I wanted to be a coach. Um, and so I went in and I have a, a human communication major, um, and a coaching minor. Um, so those are my degrees and I, my, the, my poor classmates, I mean, every single, speech and test and, um, you know, activity we did, I tied everything together. And so, um, it was like, you know, we would have a speech on something and I would come in and talk about, you know, something to do with running and tying it all in. So, um, yeah, so I knew that that was something I wanted to do, but I didn't know at what level or how it was going to be integrated. And so when I started the online coaching business, it was just kind of like, let's try this. Let's see. Um, you know, other people are starting to do it. And this is kind of very new into the online coaching thing. Um, now it's a booming uh, industry. There's lots of people who um, have their own online coaching businesses, but in 2013, that wasn't the case. There were, you know, a couple major um, groups that had online coaching. And other than that, there, there wasn't a lot of options. And so um, it's been really cool to see how it's grown. Um, but yeah, I always thought I'd be a college coach or something. Um, and now I'm like, oh, I love having my own schedule. Um, I love working with the like huge variety of athletes that I have. Um, and especially with a baby, it has been so nice to have my own business, work in my own time, um, and have that control of, you know, if, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I just don't add new clients. Um, and if I feel like I have extra time, then I really work on trying to build that up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been great. And I foresee it being something that continues to grow and I continue to put a lot of time and energy into all right. So I think we've got a good sense for how you operate. I want to talk about another big life-changing um, decision that you made, and that was the decision to become a mom. Mm -hmm. So the first question is, was it a decision? <laughs> I know. I've been asked that several times. It was. Um, we actually had planned to have a baby in 2016. Um, and Why the timing? Because I plan things. So um, <laughs> the, the whole idea was, um, you know, we'll have been married almost four years and, um, you know, 2016 would be after the Olympics. So that would be, you know, a great time. Um, but I had just had this like huge boom in my like performance and I transitioned from track to road and I just signed a contract with Adidas and I was doing really well. And I had these, you know, performance goals that I wasn't ready to, um, 
you know, to, to put aside. And so 2016 was a huge year for me. Um, I debuted in the marathon, um, at, uh, the Boston marathon. Um, and then I ran the New York city marathon that year as well. Um, I did a couple, um, you know, different events that I won and I was involved in some of the USA um, road racing circuit. And I just, I had a lot of fun that year and I really took my career and my name um, to the next level when it came to this longer distance training and competing because I just had been a track runner for so long. And so that was like my big breakout year, um, 2015 to 2016, where I kind of made those transitions. Um, so I wasn't ready and Dylan was like, yep, we're good. Like we have time. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Can I pause you? <laughs> so, you know, you talk about a breakout year. Yeah. Right. And this is when the magic is happening in anybody's career. And we've, many of us is, have experienced this, not just in sport, but in other things in our lives. And we're like, everything's working. Is this my prime? Is this my peak? Or am I on the way up? Like, tell me what you were feeling at that time. Were you like, this is just the beginning. I'm going to, you know, I've got 10 more years of this kind of improvement. Or were you like, I'm just going to enjoy every race because who knows what's going to happen? I would say I definitely thought that this was just the beginning. Um, so I had originally planned to debut at the Olympic trials um, in 2016, but I had a little bit of a foot injury coming off a fall race and I just felt like I, I would have to push too hard to be ready to go um, in February. And that April was way better timing for me. So that's why I ended up um, not running the Olympic trials that year. And I did Boston instead. And um so it just felt like it just felt really right um that that debut was really um exciting and um you know it's still one of like the top highlights of my entire career so far and so um yeah i i finished and i was like okay you know i was ninth place first american um i ran 235 and i decided like I would give myself a week to just like be really happy with my performance and then I would analyze it. And so I went and I analyzed and I was like, okay, if I did this, 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 this differently, um, you know, and like tried to learn from the experience because every race, you know, good and bad provides that learning opportunity for us. And so I was like, okay, you know, I, I saved way too much for the last 10K. I had like the second fastest last 10K of the field or something like that because I, I just was too conservative because I was afraid of the distance. Um, and I had only ever run 21 miles leading up to that. So like every single step after 21 miles, I was like, this is a new PR. This is a new PR. I've never run this far in my life. So um, I knew I had a lot of room for improvement. Um, training went really well for New York. Um, I ended up having some fueling issues, um, did not get in the fuel that I needed to because I kept getting a side stitch um, every time I took fuel. But then I ended up bonking the last 5K. Um, I still ran a PR. I was eighth place um, at New York that year, um, and I ran 234. But I finished, and immediately I was like, okay, I need to do this, this, this differently. So yeah, I had, I had, 
it was definitely a like, okay, I know I have a lot of room to grow and improve. And it's just a learning process because, um, you know, it's, it's a new distance and it just takes a long time to master. Um, so I took off, uh, from marathon racing, uh, 2017, um, that spring. And I decided to kind of rebuild some of my speed because I'd done two marathon segments back to back. Um, and I had this goal of trying to win a national title. And so I ended up getting, um, third and two second places at, um, the, the national, um, events that I did. And so I like fell a little bit short, but I had a very strong season, um, a season that I was very proud of. Um, I was feeling really good and kind of transitioned into, um, another marathon segment. And I was planning to run, uh, New York again, um, in 2017, that fall. And then I started to have some foot issues and I just couldn't quite shake it where I could do mileage, but I couldn't do speed work. Um, like anytime I did speed, it would just flare up again. And so after a month of that, I was like, okay, I'm someone who, if I toe the line, I'm ready to go. Um, and I didn't feel like I could have the confidence to be ready to go um, with the lack of preparation that I had. And so I ended up taking a month off. Uh, and during that time, I, my sister <laughs> was pregnant and um, Dylan and I were kind of talking and I was like, you know, next year is an off year. So there was no Olympics or world championships um, to work for. And I had just had this like big sense of loss that I had like had this goal um, for the marathon. And now like it, it was taken from me and I felt like I had did every, had done everything right. I had tried everything and just nothing was working. Like it was just, it needed time. Um, and it was time I didn't have in my mind. Um, and I was like, okay, I need, I need a break from this. And I started to realize, you know, I've done this for 14 years. I've been very focused, very driven, very competitive. Um, and maybe it's time to revisit that idea of starting a family because that has been a goal of mine. Um, I always wanted to be a mom. And so I was like, it just felt like good timing. And so we kind of talked and it was like, okay, like, let's, let's give it a go. Um, see, uh, like, like the roll, the dice, we're not going to try. We're not going to not try kind of thing. Okay. Um, it was, it was kind of like, we're not going to not try, but we, you know, we'll keep training. And like, I was starting to like get back into runs and stuff. And he's like, you know, if by, you know, December time or whatever, um, it doesn't happen, then we'll run Boston. I was like, okay, sounds good. So anyways, found out I was pregnant, um, in December and, uh, kind of transitioned to that mentality really quickly because my body, did not handle being pregnant very well. Um, and I felt like death <laughs> the first trimester. So I had all these, all these hopes and dreams to, um, you know, be that, be that mom that, uh, ran every day during my pregnancy and, you know, ran the day I delivered and could still do workouts. And that, that quickly died. How did you adapt to that emotionally? That yeah, that transition, because it was something that I'd just done like my whole life, you know, even when I was dealing with an injury or, you know, returning from knee surgery and different things, like everything I did was still very focused on that training and on those goals. And, um, and this was like, you know, 
it's so different. Like my body is needing completely different things right now. And if I would run, um, you know, for too long or too hard, I would suffer for like three or four days, um, with just like extreme fatigue and nausea. And it was just my body like needed to just grow a baby and that was it. And it didn't need any other stress. (laughs) You know, I think I heard a funny story about how you told Dylan. Yes. (laughs) Like, can you share that? It's just, it's awesome. We need some fun right now. Okay. Sounds good. So, um, I guess, I guess the funny story is that I didn't tell him. Um, so (laughs) I found out, um, on December 12th, 2017, I was like right at six weeks. Um, and I had taken a pregnancy test the week before because I like thought that I might be pregnant, um, but it was negative. And so we ended up going to Vegas (laughs) that weekend, (laughs) And, you know, so then the next week, um, I, I woke up and I like got out of bed and the whole room just started spinning. And I was like, oh my God, this is really bad. Like something's really off. Like I'm still like on my Vegas hangover kind of thing. Um, (laughs) far too long past, you know? And so I, uh, I, as soon as Dylan left, like I heard the garage door close and he left for work. I like took a pregnancy test and it was like instantly positive. Um, but we were about to go home, um, to see our family before Christmas. And Dylan had always told me, like, if you tell me that you're pregnant, like I'm telling everyone. And I was like, I'm not ready to tell everyone. Like I, it's not, it's not the time to tell everyone. And so I didn't tell him. Um, and we went home and we were hanging out with friends and one of the friends like handed me a beer. And so I kept like slowly dumping it out, like over time throughout the night. Um, and I, I remember I did a 13 mile run, um, cause I, you know, was still trying to train, but I knew I didn't want to like train super seriously because I wasn't feeling great. But Dylan was like, oh yeah, you know, you should totally be able to run 13 miles. And I was running with um, a college team and they're like, you should totally run with the guys. And I was like, oh really? Like maybe, maybe I just want to take it easy today. They're like, no, no, like the guys, you could crush them. And I was like, okay, that, that's not right. Anyways, we ended up running like way faster than I was hoping to run. Um, and I was like race breathing during this because I had like no oxygen in my body, um, when I was pregnant. And so, um, I finished the run and I took three naps that day. And I was like, if Dylan doesn't know I'm pregnant, like I, he's completely oblivious because I am not a napper. Like I can hundred mile weeks and I don't nap. And I took three naps after a 13 mile run, which is like a normal, easy run day for me. Um, and, I, and you're at sea level. Right. I was at sea level. Yeah. I was, and it was like, I just felt so destroyed. Um, and so I ended up telling him on Christmas and I, uh, I wrapped up the pregnancy test and put it in a stocking. Um, and so when he opened it that morning, that's how he found out. 
Um, and he was really excited. Um, but it was funny because like a few days before that, he had asked me if I wanted to sit down and write out training for Boston. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm kind of tired, like maybe tomorrow. And then the next day he'd be like, okay, we should write out training for Boston. I'm like, uh. And so finally, I literally had to sit there for like an hour while we wrote out training for this race that I knew I wasn't going to run. <laughs> And it was so awkward. But uh, anyways, he, he still won't let that one go. He's like, you wasted so much of my time. <laughs> so awesome. Absolutely amazing. I love it. You know, I love these Genesis stories. It's like how you begin things, right? So, so here you are beginning a new chapter of your life, motherhood, and it starts off a little shady, but you got into your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I stopped running at 18 weeks uh, because I felt terrible and I was having a lot of low back pain. Um, and it basically came down to if I wanted to run, I then like couldn't function as a human the rest of the day because I couldn't walk like anything hurt or I could not run and be a perfectly fine functioning human, just one that wasn't running. And so that was a really challenging transition because that was not at all how I had imagined things. And I'm this planner, right? And I expected things to go very differently than they did. And I had no control over it. Um, so I was able to kind of put a lot more energy into coaching and, um, you know, traveling. And I went to Boston that year and got to watch Desi win um, the Boston Marathon. And that was so incredibly inspiring and like, it was just, um, even though I couldn't be a part of it, um, it, it was just really neat to be there and be in the energy of the race. Um, so a lot of people have asked me about that because they're like, you know, when you're not running, like you hate running. And I'm like, no, I still love running. I still love coaching. I still love being at events. I still love being a part of the excitement of it, even if it's not me specifically being the one that is running and racing. Um, so uh, we ended up doing a baby moon, um, to Europe and right after Boston. So we like flew to Boston, watched the marathon, and then we flew to Europe. And during that time we went to Athens, um, Greece. And, uh, that was part of our plan, knowing that we were going to name our son Athens. And that's something that we had planned for a long time. So as soon as we found out we were having a boy, um, you know, it was, it was a very easy conversation, a quick decision. Um, and we just really liked the meaning behind it all because it just felt significant for both of us being that Athens is the birthplace of the marathon and the birthplace of the modern Olympic games. And was on your trajectory possibly, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, that is so cool. Okay. So was your, did your like birth story go, uh, talk, talk a little bit about that because it's kind of a big deal for us athletes who we think, first of all, we're going to have smooth pregnancies because we're strong and we train through things and we can handle it. And then for most of us, it doesn't go that way. And you're no exception. You, you mentioned that. And then the birth, I mean, it's funny looking back 
because people tell you don't write a birth plan because you it'll just go to hell right away. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? I have no plan. I have to have a plan. You're a planner, right? You've already said it. So, you know, I'm assuming your plan included like a natural birth and no drugs and all the stuff that athletes tend to want to do. And, uh, you know, not just athletes, most women, I think, aim for that. But how did yours actually go down? Yeah. So, um, Athens was due early August and, um, that last, you know, month was terrible. Just as everyone says, I was just really ready. Um, and with about two weeks left, um, you know, you're, I was going to the doctor every week for those checkups and she was saying, um, you know, one of the concerning things is that, um, I have pretty like typical, um, runner hips, I guess, and that they hadn't like opened up as much as she would have liked to see. Um, and Athens was measuring a little bit big. Um, and so she definitely had a concern that like geometrically, um, you know, it might not all work. Um, and that she had seen that with several other runners, including some people that I knew, um, who had the same, um, situation where they had a bigger baby and their hips didn't open up as much. Um, and they ended up having really challenging labors that resulted in emergency C-sections. And so she recommended, um, that we plan a, um, induction for a week prior to my delivery. Um, and at that point I was like, yes, like that would be amazing. You know, I only have one more week of being pregnant, not two more weeks or whatever. And the whole like unknown of, is he going to come early? Am I going to be, you know, 10 days late or whatever? Like that was really challenging for me. And so I was like, okay, let's go ahead. Let's do that. She's like, I really want you to have a vaginal birth so that your recovery can, um, you know, start, um, and it can be as, as least traumatic as possible. So, um, and, um, (laughs) I love it. Airplane. Yeah. (laughs) One of your coaching clients. No, I actually left my phone upstairs, which has the baby monitor on it. So really winning as mom right now. Oops. <laughs> Usually he's, he's a pretty good napper. So <laughs> he'll, he'll holler and well, someone will hear him. Um, but yeah, so I ended up, um, everything was going according to plan that whole week. I had done everything. Like I hadn't run for months and then I started running like every day. Um, you know, the week prior to my induction where I was just do one mile and I was doing like 10 to 11 minute pace, um, for that mile. And it was so hard and it felt terrible, but, um, it definitely was kind of getting things going. And so I was like, okay, I like this. And I did, um, like labor inducing acupuncture and, um, I was doing raspberry tea, like trying all the things, you know, that I could control. Um, and so the night before I was supposed to get induced, um, Dylan and I had like a little date in Boulder and, um, we went and got pizza and got ice cream and just had like that, you know, that one last night, Um, and then that night I just cried and cried and cried. And I was like, I feel so guilty for doing this. Like, I feel like maybe, um, you know, what if he's just not ready to come out? And like, I just, I had all these like emotions, um, of like, uh, you know, 
now like I'm forcing him out of his like safe little habitat into this terrible world. And like, I just felt so, so guilty. Um, and you know, Dylan kind of talked me through it. He's like, remember, like it's for, for the best for him as well as for you and everything like that. Um, and so that the next morning, I like didn't have a good night's sleep at all. Um, and I woke up the next morning and my water broke like right then. And so I called, uh, I came downstairs cause Dylan was downstairs making coffee and I was like, so my water broke. And he was like, what do we do? And it was a long <laughs> run day. And so he was planning to go do a long run. And I was like, you should probably go in your long run. Like I hear this stuff takes a while. You're not supposed to go in till, you know, your contractions are this close and blah, blah, blah. So like, why don't you just go run and like, I'll, I'll get some stuff organized today. And then, you know, as the day goes on, we'll just keep tabs and, you know, we'll go in when we're ready. And he's like, okay, sounds good. So he like goes upstairs to get dressed and I vomit <laughs> in the sink. Like contractions were so bad already, like right off the bat. And I start calculating and they're like three minutes apart. And I was like, ah, oh, so it's actually like further progressed than I had anticipated. Um, so he, he like comes down and he's like, you're sure I can go out? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Like I'm going to call the doctor and, um, you know, see when they want me to come in and whatever. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to make sure we have everything packed. He's like, okay, sounds good. I'm like trying not to let on. So he, he goes out for his run and he comes back in eight minutes. He's like, I did one mile. I can tell you're not okay. And I was like, that's the best husband move you have ever made. <laughs> I was not okay. And I had called them during that time and they were like, yeah, actually you should come in now. And I was like, okay. So I like took my shower, we packed up and we, we went in and 14 hours later, um, Athens was born and yeah, it didn't go as, as according to plan, but it was perfect. And I, I had very quick, um, transitions, very quick, um, uh, like went from my water breaking to like feeling completely terrible. I know you're very popular right now. <laughs> Your phone's upstairs, so you can't turn it off. <laughs> That's okay. Everyone knows you're super popular. You need to look up Get Running. Contact Neely for coaching. She will definitely take care of you, but not when she's podcasting. <laughs> so um, I don't, I, there's like not a way to turn it off. Like That's okay. When I'm trying to have a conversation, like it would turn off my noise to you as well. So I just don't even know what to do. I know that's okay. This is like how you do it during Corona era. Remember? <laughs> just very natural. Um, yes. But yeah, so so I ended up um, getting an epidural six hours into labor, um, and there were some complications with Athens um, where he was having some heart rate issues, and so they ended up having to, um, like slow my contractions down cause they were just really strong, but he was still too high. So he like was, hadn't dropped enough because of this like tight hips, strong pelvic floor issue that I had. Um, and so that they had to like, let my body fully relax because I wasn't relaxing enough because the contractions were so strong. So once I got that epidural and they slowed the contractions, I was able to like fully relax, let gravity work. And then, um, 
I didn't tear at all. And that was pretty huge because I felt like literally after probably a week, I was like feeling pretty good um, after I had him. And so I took my six weeks per suggestion um, from my OB to not run. And then I went in and I had my my six week checkup and I literally wore my running clothes there. And I was like, I am ready to go and I'm going to run as soon as I leave here. And she was like, you're good to go. And I drove um, home and I went for my first run. And how'd that go? It was great. I did 10 by run one minute, walk one minute. Awesome. So you were back. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. So did something in you, can you look back and say that something changed that day in you? Did your perspective change? Did, did your, you know, anything about you as a runner or a person change when you had your baby? Um, I would say that yes, um, I felt like, I felt like going into it, I had this idea that it was just going to be kind of like an injury that like you took a lot of time off. And then once you recovered, you just get back into it. Um, and I realize now that it is nothing like that because your body changes and your mental state changes. And all of a sudden, like you're the life source for this little tiny person. Um, and nothing else really mattered as much as that. And so when I was getting back into running, I really loved it. It was fun. Um, you know, I had looked forward to it for like months and months and months. I had never taken six months off from running ever since I started back in eighth grade. Um, and so that was really interesting um, because for every single run, Dylan had to run with Athens beside me because I couldn't have Athens be at home and I couldn't have him be out of my sight because I had so much anxiety and like it made me not want to run if I would have to leave him. So, um, we had the, the Thule, um, baby stroller set up with the car seat in it. Um, and you know, all this like padded protection for Athens and Athens went on every single run with me for the first two months because I couldn't leave him. You know, and I love that. And I think that's just the reality of it. You know, the idea that nothing else matters as much again. And, and, <laughs> and the, don't be frustrated. See, this is real life. And the idea that, um, you know, just, just the reality that you, a person who doesn't struggle from anxiety, started having these very natural reactions, you know, because there is another human being in your life and they're dependent on you. And I understand that. I agree. You know, what I find interesting too, is that many women athletes push off having a baby because to them, this would be a career ending decision and you've done it early. So is that going to be true in your case or are you on the war path here? You already ran Olympic trials this year. Granted, you know, you had some great races, Olympic trials didn't go your way, but that's been pushed off anyway. Now you got another chance at a second Olympic trials on the track. 
like, do you think your career is going to be able to thrive again at the same level or better? I do. I think it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of patience though. I don't think that it's something that it's just going to be a season or two. And then I'm back to doing, um, you know, what I've done before or surpassing that. I think that it's going to be several years, um, just because, I am still highly involved um, at home with Athens. I'm here with him. I have my, you know, coaching on the side um, that I do, you know, between uh, naps and, you know, that type of thing. But yeah, for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm home with him and that's how I want it right now. And he's still little and I feel like this is, I, I wouldn't be happy um, just handing him off to someone. <laughs> um, so, and you know, obviously right now he's home with me because every kid is home with every parent. Um, but for us, nothing's really changed in that regard other than Dylan is working from home. Um, so Dylan's home with us. <laughs> um, but our day-to-day -day is still very, very similar because I am I wake up and I run and then I'm, I'm mom all day and I, I work during nap time and after he goes to bed and, and that's just how it goes. Um, so there's been like a very nice sense of relief that um, for him, there hasn't been stress during this time and there hasn't been things changed. But um, yeah, I think it's going to take a while. Um, you know, my first, my first year um, after having him uh, did not go the way that I anticipated it would. Um, I thought that I would have a steady progression and, a, you know, a a steady buildup um, into fitness and into racing again. And that was not the case for me. Um, and I, I really tried to find a lot of information out there to kind of give me some guidance and some ideas and like things to look out for and just like, you know, potential things to learn from other people who have gone through this as well. Um, because there are, there are a lot of moms who, you know, have been successful athletes uh, taking time off to have a baby or a couple babies and then have gotten back into it. It's just not the norm. I feel like a lot of, um, a lot of athletes at a really high level, uh, tend to be really focused. And then when they're ready, they transition into that next chapter and that next phase of life. Um, and for me, it just felt ready. I felt like this is what I wanted. And I, I don't regret that at all. Um, but I feel like there are things that I still want from running that I am not quite ready to give up on. Um, and so that was kind of where, what led me to this past fall, um, where last year didn't go the way I wanted it to. Um, and then I ended up getting a stress fracture in my femur and took four months off because, you know, I was supposed to be on crutches, but my kid had just turned one and started walking. So that wasn't realistic. So I had to take extra time, um, which, you know, when I, before, whenever I trained entirely full time, like that would have been like, you know, a complete non-issue. I would have done absolutely everything possible to heal as quickly as I could. Um, but now it was like, oh, well, you know, it's just gonna be time. I'll know when it's ready, but I can't, I can't be on crutches. I can't, um, you know, swim with the buoy between my legs for several hours every day. Like it's just not going to happen. Um, and so 
it was like November, I started to kind of feel that like fire um, return and like have this like competitive desire of like this goal of qualifying for my third Olympic trials. Um, I still can't shake it. And I think that I might have just enough time to do it. And so that's why I ran Houston um, and I, I got my qualifier and I knew that um, I had done everything I could in such a short amount of time um, to get that qualifier that if I tried to really go for it at the trials, that I would be really setting myself up for failure. Um, and my whole goal for 2020 is consistency. And so I didn't want to do anything that would jeopardize that big goal for the year and running two marathons within six weeks of each other, probably, you know, even at my, at my peak fitness in the past, <laughs> it would have been a really big challenge, um, much less now. And so I, I went into the marathon, um, trials knowing that, um, I wanted to, I wanted to start and I wanted to have the experience of being out there and towing the line, but that it probably wasn't in my best interest to, um, to finish the race. And so I, I, I planned to just run the first eight miles, one loop so that I'd be right back at the start finish line. Um, I wouldn't be stuck out on the course and that, um, you know, I would, I would get the experience that I wanted, um, knowing that I wasn't going to be competitive that day. Um, and I could probably suffer through the distance, but that didn't feel worth it to me when my big goal was consistency this year. You know, I think I'm detecting a thread of maturity coming out here too. <laughs> That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> you know, what advice do you have? We're going to wrap it up here in a minute. We've been going forever. I'm sure you have to go to the bathroom. I know I do. Um, <laughs> we're hydrated. <laughs> upstairs also so <laughs> well and your solar panels are now in and you've gotten like a hundred phone calls you have to make but um what advice do you have for women who are putting off having a child whether they're athletes or it's because they're a, a job they have or for other reasons what advice do you have for them does it mean their life as they know it will end does it have to be a career ending decision you know what what will you tell people if you know, they're in your shoes looking back on this. Life as you know, it will end. Absolutely. But for the better, um, a hundred percent. And I would say, you know, I've never felt the, the strong emotions that I've felt, um, since having Athens, like the highest highs, lowest lows, um, you know, this like extreme anxiety, um, and fear for someone else. Um, and you know, the frustrations and then just like the incredible love that like, you just have no idea is even possible. Um, and like, you would just do absolutely anything and like nothing matters, nothing compares. So to me, um, you know, it was so worth it. Um, it's so hard. It's very challenging. Um, and I have a long way to go, um, to get back to being, um, you know, the athlete that I want to be, but first and foremost, I'm being the mom I want to be. And that's, what's important. Oh, that is so well said. And I love this idea that life, as you know, it will change. Definitely hundred percent. I agree. 
Um, all right, let's wrap it up here. We've been going for a while. It's time to go and, you're, and let you spread your bright and, and uh, you know, starry demeanor with the rest of the world. So we're going we're gonna to move into the last question I ask every guest on the show. And that is, if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Well, my, my motto, my personal motto is trust the process. And I think now more than ever, that is important um, in every aspect, <laughs> every facet of life right now. It's important to trust the process. Um, we're all doing things that are hard. We're all doing things that are overwhelming. Um, and it's important to just kind of break it down, take it day by day, step by step and trust the process. And over time, we're all going to get there. You are amazing. I love it. This was so fun. I'm sorry we couldn't have done it in person. Maybe in another six months, who knows, whenever this ban is lifted, we can actually get together. I'll show you what the trails look like. Perfect. <laughs> thanks, Neely. Have an awesome day and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. All right. I am back. What a really incredible way to end the episode. Trust the process. I needed to hear that right now today. You know, there, there's a reason that we're supposed to do the things we do and we need to trust in it. Thank you all for listening today. Um, I hope you walk away with some lightness, some extra positivity, and at least one nugget that rang true for you today. I would love to hear what that is. So if you have a chance, reach out, uh, look for a post about this episode or just contact me directly and tell me what it is that you found special about today's conversation. And be sure to check out neelyruns.com. You know, she's got a thriving coaching business and she's just a cool person. I also love her page of recipes. So, uh, you know, we can all learn from each other. <laughs> It's really what it's all about. And on my personal note, uh, thank you for your support of me and of Skirt Sports over all these years. Please head over to our website, skirtsports.com. And if you have a favorite Skirt Sports item, stock up now because you're not going to have another chance. And if you have never tried us and you really always wanted to, well, you really can't wait any longer. This is it. All right, everybody. That's it for today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>